2: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On ninety-three
3: WIBC.
4: So let's rock.
5: It. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there. Hope everybody had an awesome Thanksgiving weekend. Would have liked to have seen the crime numbers decrease just a bit. Not exactly the case. Our Monday crime update: four people stabbed, eleven people shot, three killed. Hammer over the extended holiday weekend.
1: Which brings Indianapolis to a grand total of 213 homicides. This is the third deadliest year on record, and we still have
5: a full month to go. I was going to say, it's not even December yet. Man. Um, And just to give you an idea, I like to do the comparison every Monday. uh, With Chicago, 26 shot, five fatally. Um, So more shootings in Chicago. Um, At least people that were shot. But, I mean, per capita. Again, we always talk about this. Right. But it's the same. same, We are right on par with Chicago, if that gives you any idea, in terms of per capita numbers. But how could this
1: be because Ryan Mears and the Democrats of Marion County, they told me crime was going down. They told me they had a grasp on this, and it's a Republican talking point that crime is a major problem in cities. I don't know.
5: You just hit me with that stat the the 213 homicides and third deadliest year in the history with more than a month ago. That blows me away.
1: And again,
5: that sucks.
1: The current leadership of this city keeps winning elections. So maybe we're the only ones that feel like this is unacceptable. Maybe we are all in a super minority. When we see over 200 homicides in the city year after year as a problem, because 60 percent of the vote says this is fine. 60 percent of the vote says, you know what? Keep doing Ryan Mears. You, you keep know,
5: doing you, buddy. I, I don't think we're the only ones to see it. I think people that live in, especially in some of these crime hotspots, certain sides of town see it. Um, I, I just think we're the only ones that are that are, are, are talking about it on a, a consistent basis and keeping people updated. I don't think, um, you know, the Indy Ten Point Coalition, Reverend Charles Harris, and FOP President Rick Snyder all, all talk about this stuff. But 60% of the vote said, hey, keep on doing what you're doing.
1: Whatever you're doing, we like it because Ryan Mears won in a blowout. So we'll keep talking about this story every Monday, not that anything is going to change, but ultimately, at some point, there has to be a breaking point in this city
5: to where you're going to have to say, We have to try something different. Well, The the difference is, you know, these violent criminals arrested and then get right back out with a GPS monitoring ankle bracelet or something like that. And they turn right around and do the same damn things over and over again. Um, It's hard for the police to get witnesses, to get people to talk because of the the age old mantra of, of snitches get stitches. And it's just the same vicious cycle. This brings us to a story about the teenager that was
1: a suspect in a triple murder. Not a yeah. single, not a double, but a triple murder who was released on GPS monitoring. He was arrested again for invasion of privacy. He was selling some weed, posting pictures of guns on Snapchat. Now, he was 16 years old when he was charged for the murders of a 22-year-old, a 17-year-old, and an 18-year-old. He was charged <sighs> wow. as an adult, Wow! but his attorney... Andrew Baldwin was able to convince a judge that evidence collected in the case was a product of an invalid search warrant. So as a result, the judge allowed this uh, kid, this teenager, to be released with a GPS monitor last
5: month. So, was it a case of... You know, I was reading... Actually, I actually saw uh, our old pal, Russ McQuaid, Fox 59, talking about how smart his lawyer is. Uh, so, is it a case of he's got a really good lawyer? Is the judge light on on sentencing? Is is this another case of the revolving door of the criminal justice system? This guy, Andrew Baldwin, that's representing this 18-year-old is the same guy that's representing, I believe, uh, uh, Allen. Richard, Richard, R- Richard Allen, Allen, Allen in the Delphi, in the Delphi case. Yes. So, um, uh, at least... <laughs> this probably shouldn't be the bar at the very least this dude wasn't arrested for the same crimes he was uh awaiting trial on which is triple murder I, I don't see how in the world a triple murderer an accused triple murderer could be walking around. With an ankle bracelet on awaiting trial.
1: <laughs> Just, and there's a lot
5: of finger pointing here I, yeah, because know, a lot of people are
1: pointing to the police and saying, get your paperwork right because this was an invalid search warrant. The police are saying, was it? We did know. everything right. Yeah. This is ridiculous that he was slapped with a monitor and sent back out. But he's now been re-arrested because part of his condition of being let back out was, one, don't get arrested again, and number two, you're not allowed to have a weapon of any
5: kind. Don't you go killing another three people, allegedly, okay? Right. We're, we're, We're trusting you. Here's the ankle bracelet. So at the very least, he wasn't um, arrested for doing what he was awaiting trial for.
1: No, but he was taking photos, putting them on social media of him holding a weapon, threatening things. It's like, this may come as a shock to everybody, but this guy's not very bright. You basically got let out after killing three people allegedly and all you had to do was one not sell weed and number two don't post any pictures to social media of you with a weapon you're not supposed to have
5: Man, social media can be addicting even for accused murderers they can't seem to stay off that the good old uh, twitter TikTok, snapchat facebook tinder whatever <laughs> grinder i don't care whatever this dude's into Grindr.
1: he's a moron um Big Nigel, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. I saw some photos of you passed out at various places throughout the uh,
5: Laskowski estate. You can see those pictures on our Facebook page, at Hammer and Nigel. I passed out twice after eating in the same day. Two different locations. I'm very proud of myself. That's impressive. One, you know, after, I mean... Boy, my dad and his his wife Diane cooked a great meal. Just my and one I just was sitting like laying on the couch with my head back like that, not even laying down. <laughs> and then the second one was at the outdoor patio. It was kinda of warm. It was kind of a nice day on it Thanksgiving was. and uh just uh, sprawled out on the couch outdoors for another hour. So there was, was a couple hours. I'm very proud of myself. That outdoor picture of you passed out. <laughs> you look it. like
1: one of the bums that we see out here in Monument Circle. <laughs> like the same dudes that we see out I, uh, here curled up outside of our front doors doing God knows what to their bodies. I've seen that guy. Yeah. That
5: <laughs> looks like you in that second I picture. I wasn't doing everything that you saw the homeless guy doing. I was sleeping. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you can check the photos out if you're uh, so inclined. at Hammer Nigel on Facebook. Uh, did at any point yeah. you guys talk about how horrible America was during your Thanksgiving <laughs> feast? We tend to usually keep politics and everything anti-American out of the <laughs> the, the uh, tabletop conversation. At really, uh, at our at that's our so bizarre. Why? Because
1: Joy Reid of MSNBC seems like just such a delight to have over to celebrate
5: Thanksgiving. Oh, she's awful.
6: We are a country founded on violence. Our birth was violent. In 1619, a ship with more than 20 enslaved Africans landed in Virginia, ushering in two centuries of American slavery that left millions in chains or dead. And when those humans in bondage were finally free, a terrorist organization that was a card-carrying member of polite society, the Ku Klux Klan, picked up where the Civil War ended, using violence to maintain white supremacy. You mean the Democrats? The Klan and its ilk are still active. And as Americans, we continue to choose violence. We are a country that chooses violence over and over again. There is no facet of American society that is untouched by it, as all the recent headlines remind us.
1: All right, dip up everybody. Uh, Joy, if
5: you would mind, pass
1: uh, those mashed potatoes, please.
5: Can yeah. you <laughs> imagine going to Thanksgiving with her? Not that she celebrates. Not that she would even think about having any fun. What a what a joyless, miserable <laughs> person that is. And yet, yeah, don't forget about the Democrats. Your party had a big part in slavery uh, before uh, Abraham Lincoln changed all that. Right. Okay. So, let's not get history twisted here. Uh,
1: so, what's the over under on how many days after Thanksgiving you can continue to eat the turkey leftovers? Oh, yeah, the official stats there. I'd say a week at least, five days. Because today I, I, they always say the Monday after Thanksgiving is National Throwaway Day. Really? If you still have any leftovers, you're supposed to throw them away today.
5: No, I didn't. Well, that didn't happen because I had left more leftovers today.
1: <laughs> <at> lunch? <laughs> I've got so some you, in my fridge too. What are you
5: saying? I'm going to be puking by the end of the show?
1: Well, it wouldn't be you know, the first time, to be honest with you, <laughs> right. uh, but in honor of National Throwaway Day, uh, where you're supposed to get rid of everything to avoid bacteria, to avoid salmonella, yeah. all that kind of stuff, Hammer and Nigel Records has a little tribute here.
2: Ooh, it's been sitting way too long It smells so wrong Don't want to get another case of salmonella (laughs) I ate it through the weekend But not again Don't want to get another case of salmonella (laughs) The stuffing is okay It'll keep for another day The turkey's gotta go Won't you please put it down the drain No, 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 no Don't want no salmonella That's all I'm trying to tell ya.
7: Big fans of The Knack.
5: Yes, the band The Knack here at the Hammer and Nigel Show.
7: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in Hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. All my rowdy friends are coming
5: over tonight. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIVC. Uh, I was out on the uh, third floor deck earlier overlooking Monument Circle before the show. I already saw some terrible towels, colts, and... uh, the Steelers tonight, Monday night football hammer. You're going to see
1: a lot of those yellow butt wipers, man. I'm (laughs) telling you.
5: They travel well. Hell, some of them even live here. My annoying cousin, Corianne, and her husband, Jason. I always tell you about those two, right? They wear their Steelers jerseys to church on Sundays. Ugh. Steelers Man, fans, so Steeler annoying. Steeler
1: fans, they have like no sense of humor at all. Oh, they can't take any jokes, <laughs> and anytime something bad happens, they get more butt hurt than anybody. Like these obnoxious Steelers fans, and I got to be honest, you're going to see a lot of them downtown tonight. Certain fan bases just travel really well. Oh yeah, uh, the Steelers being one of them. You're going to see a lot of those towels tonight, but. I hope it's a fun night, man. I hope that it's a good game. These really aren't uh, too prolific offenses, to say the least, but I'm hoping for a good game tonight. You
5: got food ready to go? Um. Well, I think I'm going out to a work thing with my wife, and then, yeah, I'll be on a nice uh, Woodford Reserve waiting on me when I get home. Okay, now the work so, thing with the wife isn't uh, going to interfere no, with uh-uh, kickoff.
2: Uh-uh, no.
5: Not okay. going to interfere with kickoff. That'll be fine. But uh, yeah, they know better. They work around <laughs> my wife's. My wife's uh, employer works around my schedule. Got it. <laughs> Got it. This this is an interesting stat. I'm looking this from um, Zach Kiefer. He's a guy on Wish, right? He does the Wish yes. TV uh, sport. He's a sports guy on our our, our news gathering partners. He goes uh, on Twitter. This stat is wild. The Steelers are 17 and three against the Colts since the Colts moved to Indy in '84. That includes seven straight wins heading into tonight. The only Colts quarterbacks to beat pittsburgh in the indy era mike pagel and peyton manning a mike pagel shout out all right (laughs) wow uh what is it tonight the colts are favored right by two and a half i like the colts to
1: cover and i've got a prop bet on jonathan taylor over 13 and a half receiving yards so those are my bets for tonight um a lot of drama in the NFL yesterday. So the Ravens lost to the Jags.
5: Crazy finish. That was amazing, though.
1: The Jags stormed down in the final drive. Trevor Lawrence, you know, gets them down. They score a touchdown. And they say, screw it, we're going for the win. We don't want to tie. They go for the win. They get the two-point conversion. And the Jags beat the the Ravens. Well, in a now-deleted tweet, the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Tells a fan who is really critical of his play to quote, eat something. Now, the something in question is a part of the male anatomy (laughs) that rhymes with the word stick. (laughs) Oh, no. So this fan was like, Oh, boy. Lamar Jackson doesn't need a contract extension. Let him walk. Rabble, rabble. So on Twitter, Lamar Jackson responds to this guy. And again, this is the quarterback of the Ravens, and basically says you can't even smell a football field. You don't know what you're talking about, and he ends it with eat
5: blank. Oh boy, that's going to be a problem. It's funny that Lamar Jackson checks his mentions, though. You know, <laughs> well, he those, got tagged in it. Well, either way, still, I mean, it's it's just funny that 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 players you know respond in kind to these troll fans, but that that sp- uh, phrase specifically, I'm sure, is going to cause a problem well enter ESPN into the chat be construed as what homophobic
1: that's right ESPN puts out like a uh, text message that goes to all their subscribers Lamar Jackson responds to social media posts that criticized his performance with a tweet that included an anti-gay phrase
5: who says it's an anti-gay phrase ESPN but but so they're
1: calling it so they said that right The tweet in question had nothing to do with sexuality. He Mm
5: -hmm. was telling the dude to eat blank. That's just a vulgar term that people of both sexes use. I've heard chicks say that to other chicks. Yes. Yes. Uh,
1: In a roundabout way, we heard G.I. Jane say that to her instructor Uh, in the movie. She's canceled. (laughs) <laughs> but you can't cancel to me more. If you want to say it was a vulgar tweet, okay, fine. But it had nothing to do with sexuality. It had nothing to do with whether this fan likes men or women at all. And ESPN is making it out to be that way. Because, of course, they are. Also, uh, shout out to Cathedral High School product, Ted Karras. Did you see this guy?
5: <laughs> was that the... Does he play for the Bengals? Yes, he does. At the end of the game there? So that it was another wild game.
1: An offensive lineman with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, went to Cathedral High School, played college ball at Illinois. He was pretty fired up after beating the Titans in Tennessee. Let's listen to him walk off the field.
5: F you, up yours, Tennessee. F you. Multiple I mean, times. Is mean, somebody by saying up yours? Could that be construed as a uh, some sort of slur against certain communities? It could be. Don't give ESPN any
1: ideas. No. Uh, can we do a real quick round of booze news? I'm game. You
8: set them
4: up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one.
8: We are going to read
5: booze news because it's, it's really fun. What's,
3: it What's it in your
2: so
5: oh man, my, my annoying Steelers fan cousin and her husband must must have heard me talking crap about him. Imagine Ste- that they're butthurt already. <laughs> they're they're already texting me. Oh, I rest my profa- case. Profanities. Yes.
1: Rest my case. Uh, Booze news. A California man is accused of trying to drive drunk to Las Vegas with his 12-year-old son in the car while wearing a Las Vegas Raiders helmet. Oh, no. Here is the young boy Aiden talking to a 911 dispatcher from the vehicle that his old man was driving.
7: My daddy's trying to take me to Vegas. He's acting weird. What kind of car are you in? Um, a Toyota Camry. He's got a Raider plate. He says he's in the Raider helmet. He says he's in the Raiders helmet. He, he
5: you see the dad in the background go. I'm wearing a Raiders helmet, son. <laughs> As he's calling 911 on his own dad because he's drunk driving. I like this kid. Uh, that's really sad that that had to come to that. Right. Uh, you know, t- almost teenage boy having to call the cops on his on his dad because he, uh, at least he's smart enough to know. You know, yeah, my old man should not be behind the wheel. Should not be behind the wheel of this car. So the boy's okay. The kid, uh, you know, his father's been arrested, charged with DUI and child abuse. And um, boy, definitely uh, I'm glad things worked out. Now, we've that's got an update awful. on the uh,
1: the lineman from the Bengals, Ted Karras, the cathedral kid. Uh, the coach, Dan Dockich sent me a message and said that he's heard chatter that the Titans were going after his knees even during the kneel down at the end of the game. So that's why he was so uh, adamant yeah. about blank you when he walked off the field. Good. Screw him. I was fine with it before. And I'm fine with it now. Yeah. Either way, I'm fine with it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
5: The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's
0: Monday Gun Day with the Gun Guy.
5: Just watch out for the guns. They'll get
7: you. Guy Relford. Stop calling your arms
5: guns. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Hammer's over there. Guy Relford is a Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor, host of the Gun Guys Show here on 93 WIBC. Guy, how are you? I'm great, man. And thanks, as
0: always, to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36 in Avon. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at Fort. LibertyFirearms.com
5: Let's start off by talking about this uh, this Democratic senator, this gun grabber Chris Murphy oh, yeah. out of Connecticut And there's a guy we've mentioned on this show during this segment Before because he's the one that came out and said After this latest piece of uh, gun control Legislation passed, he's the one that said this admit this oh, is yeah. just the beginning. This is just just the the stepping stone to more gun control legislation. Came right out and admitted it. Sure. So he uh, recently quoted. I think it was over the weekend talk shows, those uh, those political talk shows. Quote: The Senate needs to have a conversation about funding law enforcement outfits that balk at implementing gun laws in Second Am- Amendment sanctuaries. So he wants to cut funding to police for cities that are Second Amendment. Have you ever heard that before? Second Amendment sanctuaries? Oh, yeah. Does this and, resonate with you at all? Does oh, this make oh, sense? What's
0: he talking about? A hundred percent. And and what this uh, arose out of, Nigel, is that uh, uh, one of the recent uh, elections in Virginia, where in, in a year, uh, Virginians didn't show up uh, to the polls, and, and they ended up with a Democrat governor and, and a Democrat uh, House and a Democrat Senate there at the local level. And they passed some really draconian gun control measures and they got the idea there in virginia that on the county uh wide basis at the county level they were going to they're going to declare themselves to be second amendment sanctuaries and what that means is that we protect the second amendment here in our county we will not assist federal law enforcement in any uh, enforcement of federal laws or even state laws um, th- that we think to be, are, are unconstitutional, and we here at the county level are going to protect the Second Amendment rights of our citizens, and a bunch of sheriffs. In fact, there were some like 95%, 96% of the counties in Virginia declared they were Second Amendment sanctuaries, meaning they don't care what the state law is, don't care what the federal law is, we're going to protect your Second Amendment rights here at the county level, and this took off. All across the country. In fact, right now out of what, ninety-two counties in Indiana, I think something like fifty have declared themselves on some level to be Second Amendment sanctuaries. But we need to talk about what that really means in terms of does that mean that, you know, that they're they're gonna stand at the county line with shotguns and not let ATF agents come into their county? Well, no. Right. It just means they're not gonna assist federal law enforcement, and in some situations, it really has meant nothing more than they, they've passed a resolution at the county level that says, we support the Second Amendment, and we will stand with our citizens and oppose uh, any you know, um, unconstitutional laws uh, that, that, that are trying to be enforced here in our county.
1: Now, this may be a total dumb guy question here, but if you have to go out and say you're a Second Amendment um, safe neighborhood right. or whatever, why isn't everyone that way? Doesn't the Constitution right. yeah. literally have a Second Amendment for this
0: very purpose? Well, no, you're exactly right. And, and and at the end of the day, and that's why it's largely symbolic, because a lot of the resolutions, for instance, or even ordinances that were passed here in Indiana, and I was involved in this. In fact, I, I put out a model... Um, Uh, Second Amendment Sanctuary Resolution uh, on the 2A Project website that counties could pass. And dozens and dozens of them passed exactly the resolution that, that I drafted and I put out on the website. But at the end of the day, it's largely symbolic for exactly the reason you're talking about, Jason. You mean <laughs> people will just
1: say something for the sake of saying it in politics, <laughs> yeah. guy?
0: When the hell did that start? Yeah, but, but, but Because when you're talking about Second Amendment sanctuaries, it, it goes... It,
5: it, it, there's you're a right. This sounds spectrum. so stupid, Hammer. It's in the Constitution. Right. <laughs> what are yeah, you talking no, about? Yeah, you like when it comes
1: for immigration, uh, right. at least that's going against the law. You know, yeah. You're know,
0: right. you breaking the law, but you're safe. here. (laughs) this is literally in the constitution no no you're exactly right but there's a broad spectrum because there are some places across the country where at the county level the local sheriff has said and i was i was somewhat tongue-in-cheek on this earlier in, in the discussion but they've actually said if federal agents try to come into our county to enforce like for instance an assault weapon ban we will stand on the county line and we will arrest them um, you know, in our view, for, for violating our law here at the county level because we're a Second Amendment sanctuary. And, and others have just passed a resolution that basically says, hey, we all support the Constitution and, you know, ya yeah, yeah team, and that's it. So it, it, they, there's a broad spectrum of, of what we're talking about when we say a Second Amendment sanctuary. But for the most part, most often what counties have done across the country, and including here in Indiana, is they've said, uh, we will not assist any law enforcement agency, be it state or federal, that tries to come into our county and enforce what we think is an unconstitutional law. We simply won't support them. We won't assist them. We won't, you know, you know uh, give them addresses. We won't give them logistical support, right. you know, with that that kind of thing. And 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 so, for, for to a large degree, it's symbolic.
1: And we've seen this time and time again from this current administration. They know some of the things they're doing are not constitutional. Whether it's oh, the yeah. student loan forgiveness, whether it's other things, they will throw anything against the wall and wait for the courts to say, "What are you doing? You can't do that. It violates the Constitution." Well,
0: that's a really important point because yeah, you've had the Biden administration come out and say, "Well, yeah, this whole uh, foreclosure uh, moratorium is probably unconstitutional, but you know, we'll see what the courts say. We're going to impose it in the meantime." Right. I don't have a bit of problem with at somebody. At the local DACA was level.
5: Uh, DACA was unconstitutional, and 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 Obama did it anyway.
0: Exactly. Of course. I mean, you know, so so it, it happens over and over. So I don't have a bit of problem. That's why I I drafted the model resolution that got passed all over Indiana. Um, but at the end of the day, if federal law enforcement officers wanted to come into Indiana or into any particular county and enforce federal law, you know, absent a a, a, a gun battle between county sheriffs and federal law enforcement agents, which nobody wants uh, to I see, see that, they're going to enforce federal law as they deem fit. And that's why. I mean, it, it's important. I like the fact that, that these resolutions are being passed. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't mean a lot beyond symbolism.
5: Uh, you mentioned assault weapons ban. Biden was running, out, running yeah, oh, yeah. his mouth over Thanksgiving holiday about, you know, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ban assault weapons. Does, do, do, even with the Senate, the way it looks now, do, could, could they get that through? No.
0: And, and in fact, in the same interview that you're talking about with Chris Murphy, uh, he was asked specifically, uh, "Biden's been, you know, been calling for an assault weapon ban. Can you get this done in this Senate?" And he, right in the middle of calling for more gun control, in the middle of, you know, being as anti-second amendment as he could possibly be, he's basically said, "Now nah, we don't have the votes in the Senate to get that done." Wow.
1: What if he had two more votes? Because in a couple of months, there's a legitimate chance that the Democrats will have a two-seat advantage in the Senate. Is this going to change anything?
0: Well, it's a great question, Jason, but it's a two-step process, because they don't have 60 votes, right? So, under current Senate rules, in order to call a bill uh, beyond debate and get a a, a vote on the floor, they need to have cloture, quote-unquote, which is to end debate and uh, call a bill to a vote, and they don't have anywhere close to 60 votes. But- well, that's they why get, they'd
5: like to get rid of that filibuster, boy. Right. Well, that's
0: my point. Is it's a two-step process because it, it, it they could first um, amend the filibuster rules. Yeah. And end the 60-vote requirement, and then do what they want to do. Which and there's, you know, there, there, there's there's precedent for that, since that's obviously where we were on Supreme Court justices not long ago, uh, and 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 the Democrats went in and suspended those rules as to judicial appointments, and then when the Republicans had the majority, they extended that to Supreme Court nominees, and that's why we can get Supreme Court uh, 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 justices confirmed with a simple majority. So. Your question originally is, if with another couple of votes, could they come up with another, uh, enough votes to suspend the 60-vote requirement and then pass an assault ban? Sure, yes, that could happen. And this is why this Georgia runoff is so important.
1: That's right. Because in the past, you've had you know, the West Virginia Senator Manchin, you've had Cinema, Cinema. of Arizona almost being the voice of reason to say, hey, we're not just going to pass this ridiculous radical stuff through. But if you have a 2 seat advantage, now it becomes a tie, even if they hold out, and the tie goes to Kamala, and she has yet to oh. meet a bad idea she hasn't loved.
0: Right. No, that's, that's exactly right. That, that's why that, that uh, the next seat or two could make a huge difference. Guy
1: Relford with us. It's Monday gun day here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, there's a story, I believe it was on Breitbart's website earlier today, that the number of Americans carrying guns on the daily is... Is up to at least six million. Now you see that headline, and Breitbart usually a pretty, you know, conservative-friendly yep. outlet. But the folks on the other side, the political left or the anti-gun folks, are going to say, "Oh my God, six million people! We could get shot at any given time, at
0: any given place." Well,
5: I think it like jumped from 2016 to 2019, a significant uh, number. Yeah.
0: It doubled in, in that very short time frame. And that's probably underreported because how many people who carry a gun every day are necessarily gonna tell you. Right. right? Um, but but to the extent that's coming from, you know, statistics on who has a license to carry and that type of thing, which again, twenty-five states out of the fifty states in the United States today are constitutional carry states, including Indiana, where you don't need a license to carry a handgun. So who's tracking those people who are carrying without a license? But, but at the end of the day, you know, people, you know the the, the people who want to wave their hands and, and say the sky is falling and, oh, my God, we can get shot at any time. You know what they really ought to think about? They ought to think about the Greenwood Park Mall on July 17th of this year, right? Because one person, you know, Eli Dickin, who I'm proud to say is my client, decided that he was going to carry a gun that day, as he does every day, legally. And because he was carrying a gun that day dozens and dozens and dozens of lives were saved in the greenwood park mall right that's what they don't want to talk about
1: and this was the bed that they made with the summer of love i think there's a lot of people who were never gun people that went out and decided to get something to protect themselves when they saw stores being looted
0: and police officers not really being allowed to do their jobs to protect people oh brother i talk to those people every day because i have a training company and every single day, I'm getting a dozen emails saying, "I never thought I'd be a gun owner, but I've, after seeing oh, everything wow. that's going on, you guys." As I was driving down here, I, you're reporting on the crime statistics this year here in Marion County. How many people listen to those numbers? Where you we're know, the third largest already, and we with a month to go in terms of number of murders in Marion County. And and how many people are going to say, you know, I just assume not be one of those statistics. Yeah. I think I want the wherewithal, the capacity, uh, and 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 the training to defend my life and my family's life. A lot of people are going to make that decision just from hearing the numbers you guys were putting out earlier today. And and and, and I hear from those people literally dozens and dozens of times every week. Anybody that has questions, where can they go? Relfordlaw.com is the best place to get a hold of me. Relfordlaw.com. Watching the game tonight? Got everything ready to go? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm still in in the leftover mode, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be doing some uh, pumpkin pie and uh, and oh, tur- yeah. turkey sandwiches. But, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about this game. I, I think we, we can right the ship a little bit uh, against Pittsburgh and get some things done.
1: Guy, thank you. Thanks, thanks, guys. thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. So, we are going on the roller coaster of temperatures this week. Uh, so, tomorrow, sunshine at 61. All right. Good news. I'll take it. Wednesday, a low of 20. Oh, okay. Never mind. And then by the weekend again, we're back up in the 50s. And by next Monday, low 40s. So it's a glass case of emotion when it comes to our weather. Uh, 45 right now at the American Standard Cooling Weather
5: Center. Uh, as we normally do on Monday, went a little long with the gun guy. He was awesome, as always. And I'm, we have somebody waiting in our lobby for us, by the way. We've got a little... Um we're in tailgate mode I we are in
1: tailgate mode oh man uh, coming up here at 4 30 430, 4 35 we got the folks from dickie's barbecue coming in <laughs>
5: wasn't they weren't they on with you on your betting show a couple weeks ago yeah they came on all
1: indiana Bets. oh
5: that looked fantastic
1: and it was so good i said you guys have to come do the radio show because we've got monday night football in town that night and people need some tailgate food Nobody wants to cook. We need some barbecue. We need some wings. So they're going to join us here in just a little bit. Uh, coming up a little bit after four o'clock, though, something we have not done in a long time. Nige, what's in? We have a monkeypox update. Oh my. So we've got that coming up. Oh no. We'll check in with uh America's battle against COVID. We'll play Is This Anything? We've got your tailgate food. We got a lot of serious stuff going on here. So don't go anywhere. Going to take a little break. When we come back, top stories of the day. We'll check in against the fight against COVID. And yes, cue up the monkeypox jingle. We have a monkeypox update. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
2: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos on 93 WIBC. So
4: let's
5: rock. It. My name is Nigel. Hammer's right over there. Sounds like you got, got a little bit of the BA5, uh, a little bit over there. I got a little bit of a cough. Maybe a little, little variant action. Maybe, maybe, just looks, maybe. Uh, all right, well, you just stay over there, because uh, we're going to check in. I'm not going to waste any more time. I've been waiting for this. We're going to check in with America's battle against COVID-19. Uh-oh.
2: COVID-19, oh, I swear that, that I mean, mean
5: at this moment, there are three vaccines. China piss off, now you I got this. work off. We're
4: all nervous because of COVID-19. COVID-19. Uh, that's not bad.
5: Not bad. Not bad. I mean, Kyle. get a little scratchy throat uh, yeah. going on, but that's not bad. Yeah, that could make it sound. It makes it sound all gravelly. Make it sound gritty. So, yeah. whose
1: uh, farewell tour is lasting longer, the Rolling Stones or Doctor Fauci's? <laughs> Because the Rolling Stones, it feels like well, they've been on a farewell tour since like
5: 1985. Yeah, so he's yeah he's leaving his gig as the uh, you know uh, uh, Biden's COVID guy, just right. had his final press conference where uh, the White House press secretary had to step in and protect him and shield him from que- questions about the origins of COVID in the right. Wuhan lab. Yeah, lab.
1: And now he's doing more interviews. I know, shocking. <laughs> what Dr. Fauci doing a television he, interview? He
5: loves the spotlight, man. I don't know how he's going to
1: leave it. He sat down with Margaret Brennan, who I'm not going to lie. I kind of got a little thing for Maggie. Oh, really? Oh, look at you. Very very classy. I like Maggie Brennan. Uh, I call her Maggie. Uh, Margaret Brennan of Face the Nation on CBS had Dr. Fauci on. And take a listen as old Dr. Flip-Flop defends China. Defends China for covering up the COVID origins and then ultimately blames Donald Trump for it.
2: What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach... That clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning. And the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk Mm -hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they're not talking to the
6: Biden administration about it either. Exactly.
2: I think that horse is out of the barn, and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists keep the politics out of it and let the scientists because these are scientists that we've known for decades mm-hmm.
5: anti-china that's that's what he's saying trump was i mean china like everybody was t- calling trump racist for shutting down the borders uh in terms of travel from to and from china like everybody was telling him uh, you know no you can't do this but ultimately everybody said that was the right move after he did it after the fact And now all of a sudden Trump is an anti-China for shutting down the borders and essentially doing what he was suggested to do by Dr. Fauci. If you ever find yourself in a position where you're defending
1: China's government or China's spokespeople, you're probably on the wrong
5: side of that argument. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, everybody was advising Trump, hey, we better shut down these borders. And when he did, he uh, he was labeled a racist for doing it. So who who's, who's using politics here?
1: Uh, here's uh, Dr. Fauci on whether or not schools will close down again as numbers start to rise with COVID. So yeah.
6: coming out of the holidays, should parents expect schools to shut down?
2: I don't know, uh, uh, Margaret. I'm not sure. <laughs> when, when you talk about shutting down schools, there's always... The collateral That's also effects. radioactive. <laughs> it is, exactly. There's always the collateral issue. So you have to balance, and you do it in real time, depending upon the viral load of disease in your region. Whether, you know, the upper northeast may be quite different from the southwest, from the, from the, from the Pacific coast, from the upper northwest. So you have to have the local authorities evaluate on a situation-by-situation basis. Wait, hold
5: on. Was this clip for 2020? No, 2021. No, this was from over the weekend. Yes, the answer should have been hell. No, you don't close the schools. This guy loves to be in the spotlight. If if COVID disappears, man, that'll be the end of Fauci. Nobody will want to talk to him. Nobody cares about him anymore. But Here the, in a couple but, but, of months, the, that'll be the end of him but, too. But but, but seriously, the, the answer should have been no. We shouldn't like. Why did? Why are the schools the only one mentioned there? I didn't hear say anything about bars or salons or retailers or bars <laughs> you know what i mean like I, I, just like why are schools always the f- front and center here
1: well and as passionate as he was about we got to trust this chinese scientist, the chinese scientists the chinese scientists we've known for years you if you're me? all about trusting the science doctor look what these lockdowns did to our kids in these schools you've got kids who are so far behind with their education as well as their social skills yes. All you had to do was say, no, we're not going to shut down the schools again. That's the only acceptable answer here.
5: Because, because kids are the least at risk from COVID. We've known that since early in 2020. Dr. Fauci claims that uh, he personally
1: is not political at all, mm, and he okay. never has been.
2: They've clearly politicized it. You know, they say that I'm not political at all, period. I've never been, and anybody who knows anything about me knows that that's the case. But it is very clear when people (laughs) are running their campaigns Mm -hmm. with an anti-Fauci element to it, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, this is a public health issue. So, yeah, it's going to keep going, likely much more geared towards me. I mean, it's obviously a political issue. I'm not going to get involved. I didn't get involved before in the politics, and I'm not going to get involved now.
1: Why won't you go away? Although Christine in the YouTube chat makes a great point, we all know that his replacement is just going to be a clone. It's not going to be somebody that has a completely different strategy or way of doing things. It's going to be a Fauci bot that takes his place. So even though that Captain Flip Flop here is going to ride off into the sunset where he's going to have a book deal and he's going to tell his story and bash Trump and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be more of the same. But don't stand there and tell me you're not political. Please. please. I think it's time for an all-new segment on this show, (laughs) Nige. Great moments in Dr. Fauci being 100% (laughs) definitely not political history.
6: Senator Cruz told the Attorney General you should be prosecuted.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I'd have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? (laughs)
1: What the hell are you talking oh. Oh. about you creepy old goat?
2: What the hell are you
1: talking about? <laughs> Go away and never come back. All right, it's been a while. It's been a bit. Are you ready for a monkey pox update? Oh boy. Monkey pox, monkey pox, monkey, 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 monkey pox, monkey pox, monkey, monkey,
7: monkey, monkey pox, monkey pox, monkey, 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 monkey pox.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I've missed it. What now? The WHO, the World Health Organization, has officially renamed Monkey Pox M-Pox. So we're not allowed to call it Monkey Pox anymore. Oh. It's M-Pox because there were concerns about the title being racist and... It would go it was, against
5: ways people could treat it. It's, 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 they said stigmatizing language and racial language, which I, I'm not even sure how they get that. That's the name of the disease. It's been that name. It's been that way for decades since 1970. So, so people need to realize that this is a disease that affected a certain. Uh, Community, The gay community. It was an STD spreading prevalent throughout the homosexual community. And And I know somebody will send us a tweet or an email. email. There's outliers. Yes, I understand that. But as a whole, this affected
1: uh, a certain community in this country. Uh, Just like COVID
5: mainly affected severely frail and ill elderly people with multiple comorbidities. I know we gotta hit a traffic break, but Kylan, can we hear the Monkey Pox theme
1: song just one more time? It's been a little while, and I'd love to hear it one more time. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's
7: it's the Monkey of monkey the End. Wait for monkey, it. Monkey, 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 pox.
1: <laughs> there it is. Oh, I've missed it. I've missed that song. Uh... Don't miss talking about the disease, but I missed the song.
7: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new? and everything in between.
4: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
2: Emma and Nigel
5: presents...
2: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is
5: this... Anything on 93 WIPC. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything?
1: I will run a story or two by you. You will break down all of the information. You're going to weigh out the pros and the cons and give us a verdict on whether or not this story is anything or not. Easy enough. Is this anything? Three Ohio teenagers have been arrested after police say they tried to steal food from a local B-dubs. On top of that, while escaping, they ended up knocking an employee on the hood of their car... And another employee was hanging onto their car door Jeez. as they attempted to drive off at a high rate of speed. This is the B Dubs manager calling 911 along with the employee on the roof of the car. Take a no listen. Way.
5: I have a person trying
3: to dine and dash on me, and they're currently hitting one of my employees. It's horrible to think that they thought to go and take it that far over a $115 bill.
5: My employee is currently on their car, they're driving recklessly. I
3: I was terrified for my life,
0: and I had no idea what was going to happen. First
5: of all, this is something. I'm glad everybody's okay. I'm glad the teenagers were arrested. I I don't think I ever want to be in a position where I'm trying to um, jump on somebody's car for $100 worth of food, though. Now, I don't know. What popped in my head when I was listening to this, Hammer? Is like, you know, retail stores, they tell employees, look, if you catch somebody stealing, you, you just got to let them go. You can't chase them out. You might say something to them in the aisle, in the store, but you can't get physical with them. These employees, these beat-ups guys, ran out and hopped on the, the the hood of their car to try to stop dining dashers. I I don't know if I'm putting my life on the line for food. Now, the, the, the other thing that, that popped into my head was, what is what is this restaurant's policy on dining and dashing in terms of the responsibility of the waiter or server? Does that come out of their tips? That would be a bunch of BS if that's the case. Right. That's that policy sucks if if that's the case. So if they were doing that because oh god you know a hundred dollar uh, bill that's going to come out of my paycheck that means you know the difference w- whether I can fill up my car to get even get to work. That policy, if that I don't know that it is. And I don't know, I, I'm just speculating, but if that's that's the reason, I couldn't imagine anybody chasing after somebody hopping on the hood of their car to try to stop them over a hundred dollars bill of food. When was the last time you were on the hood of a car?
1: <laughs> because I've got a couple times
5: that I've been on hoods. Of I Crush. know
1: uh, it was our car wash video that we did. <laughs> That's one. We were recreating a little bit of a uh,
5: White Snake video,
1: and we were yeah. on our promotion gal Maddie's car. Yeah,
5: I licked her window. If I'm not <laughs> yeah, mistaken. Yeah, well, I showed my. I finally showed my kids that the other day. And? and they were disgusted by him. Good. Mission Daddy, accomplished. Daddy, that's gross. <laughs> uh, did well, you ever try to get on
1: top of like somebody's van, like Styles and Teen
5: Wolf, and go <laughs> surfing? No. No way. No, we just had a story about that. The guy on top of the semi truck trailer that, that was doing that and he got bashed into a uh, an overhead uh, bridge. Right. Smacked like the giraffe in the Final Hangover movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no. I've never done that.
1: No. Uh, Happier restaurant news here. Okay, give me something good. A baby born inside of an Atlanta McDonald's, with the help from the employees during the labor process, has been given the nickname of Nugget. Oh, no. Here's the mother and the manager of the (laughs) McDonald's in Atlanta talking about this amazing
7: birth. I went into the bathroom. I used it. My water broke immediately. The lady came in. She was like, are you okay? I said, no, I'm in labor. I thought that was joking. I opened,
8: and she was on this toilet laid back, <laughs> screaming. Oh, yeah. Then I knew mm. to tell my crew, we're having a baby today. I had one
7: worker on this hand, one worker on this hand. I think I bit her. I didn't mean to. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay. She didn't break my skin. She had a nickname before she even left McDonald's.
5: That's her name named McDonald's little nugget. yeah this is something it's something forever had to clean that mess up afterwards oh <laughs> you draw straws if you're a mcdonald's employee all right i need somebody to get in the uh, bathroom clean up the afterbirth and the placenta and the umbilical cord again uh, <laughs> not again i at least at least this woman <laughs> that's an awesome story i'm glad the baby's okay some people you heard about people that go into these these restaurants these fast food restaurants that don't know they're pregnant and all of a sudden the baby like just, uh, yeah, there you go. You've heard those stories before, right? Oh, sure. Few and far between, but that that's happened before. Didn't know I was pregnant. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm sitting there uh, doing my business on a McDonald's toilet, and uh, there's a baby right there. Like, that sounds like the origin story for a Joe Dirt
1: movie, doesn't it? <laughs> like, if they did a prequel yeah. for Joe Dirt, my mom didn't know I was pregnant and gave birth <laughs> to me in a McDonald's bathroom. And by the way, the further south you go, it goes from McDonald's Mac- to Mac- McDonald's Mac- with a hard M-A-C. <laughs> Last one, is this anything? Uh, James Cameron, famous director, producer, says that Leonardo DiCaprio almost lost his chance at the starring role in Titanic basically because he was such a pain in the ass during the audition. Here is Cameron in a new interview explaining how they invited Leo to some meeting asking him to read lines with Kate Winslet. We'll run
2: some lines and I'll video it. And he said, you mean I'm reading? I said, yeah. He said, oh, I don't read. I shook his hand. I said, well, thanks for coming by. He said, wait, wait. You mean if I don't read, I don't get the part just like that? And I said, oh, yeah. This is like a giant movie. It's going to take two years of my life. So you're going to read or you're not going to get the part. Okay. Every ounce of his entire being is just so negative. Wow. Right up until I said action. And then he turned into Jack. Kate just lit up, and they went into this whole thing, and he played the scene. I'm like, all right, he's the guy, yeah, yeah, that's
5: something. It's James Cameron throwing Leo under the bus. Basically, calling him a, a diva. Uh, no, I don't read. And even, when was Titanic made? It's got to be at least 22 years 90s ago. 90s. Oh, it was in the late 90s? Seven? Yeah, late nineteen nineties. That shows you how big of a star Leo was even back then. James Cameron, I'm not reading for you. You may have done Terminator and, and a bunch of these other movies. I, I was on read. Growing Pains, Jack. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Remember,
5: toward the end of the series when right. no one watched, that was me. Uh, so I just watched a Leo DiCaprio movie over the Thanksgiving holiday. I rented, uh, no, I it was bought. It was on special for like 7 bucks. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the mm-hmm. Tarantino movie with him and Brad Pitt. Have right. you
2: seen that yet? I have not. You've I'm got not a Tarantino to watch that. guy, man. Oh, God,
5: it's so good. The scene, and you, people that know what I'm talking about that love that movie, the scene after Leo DiCaprio plays a washed-up movie star that messes, you know, and there's one scene where he's on the set of this cheesy western and he messes up his lines and it, it cuts to him and his uh, him in his trailer just trashing the trailer and throwing a fit. You're an alcoholic, you suck! And then, he's, then the next scene is him just chugging whiskey <laughs> (laughs) like that. It's such a great movie and if anybody hasn't seen that DiCaprio movie with Brad Pitt, it's really good. My favorite
1: part of that story that Cameron told was how Kate Winslet came alive once he started reading it. Well, he's also a good looking kid, right? If he looked like Steve Buscemi, would Kate (laughs) Winslet have come alive at that point? If he had a face that looked like a foot, would Kate have come alive all all. of a sudden? No, Nobody's drawing anybody naked if he looks like Steve Buscemi. (laughs) It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
5: I, want. I need some of that You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show On 93 WIBC Oh man, my name is Nigel Hammer Is over there getting ready for some uh, Colts Monday Night Football, uh, Colts fans do it right They know how to tailgate in this city They do it very well, unfortunately the Colts don't have a, a Great, a spectacular history against the Steelers No, you know, taken back to the mid 2000s, 2005 uh, what is it? The bus uh, fumbling.
1: Oh, that playoff game in uh, 2005. Yeah. Oh, that was the best Colts
5: team we ever had. Wasn't that incredible? And then Nick Harper recovers. He's he's looking like he's going to go back for a touchdown. But gets tackled by fat goon Ben Roethlisberger. Who's on the ground. And again, Nick yeah, Harper right. coming
1: off an alleged stab wound from his <laughs> old lady. Couldn't get around that slug that's on the ground. But still, Colts had a chance to get down right. there and kick a field goal. close. And Mike Vanderjack took that leg back, put the boot to the ball, and it ended up in the restroom. (laughs) That loss stings more than any other loss in the history of being a Colts fan for me.
5: I still get up for Monday Night Football, though. I'm excited for Colts football tonight.
1: And if you need some tailgate food, we got you covered here. Uh, Our pal Josh is here from Dickie's Barbecue. Josh. Josh, my man, speaking to that microphone. How you doing? Yeah,
8: Hammer and I, thanks for having me. Um, and then tailgating is what we specialize with Dickie's Barbecue. And today we brought uh, some ribs, we brought some wings, we brought some pulled pork. Incredible. This
1: studio normally smells like a mixture of sweat and bat fact, but today <laughs> it's
5: so good because you've got the ribs and the barbecue and the wings. So, didn't I see you on TV with Hammer on his betting show on Wish TV a couple of weeks ago? Was that you, or was I, that? I was
8: on there. Yeah, I got to you know you know feed him ribs up there and you know go Dude. over you know party packs perfectly (laughs) the games, too.
5: Dude, this is perfect tailgating stuff, right? Now, where
1: is is Dickie's Barbecue here in Indy?
8: So, our uh, location here in Indy is in Pendleton Pike. Come by there, check it out. You know, they're the ones who prepared all this food and I was just talking to, um, you know, Hammer and Nigel. It's actually, we've been here for about 45, 50 minutes getting everything, and it's still warm. Oh,
1: yeah. oh this smells so great. And, and
8: then the ribs, you know, and, you know, you bring up last time, somebody ate a rib off the ground. I don't want to, you know, talk about it. Oh, Scott Long. <laughs> what? Scott oh, Long grabbed a rib, dropped it, and ate it. a <laughs> five-second rule. He, right. he, he applied the five-second rule, and, you know, <laughs> and
5: he won. So how long have you been with Dickies?
8: I've been with Dickies since 2018. Great company, longest um, barbecue, uh, our biggest barbecue chain in the nation. We've been around 81 years, based out of Dallas. It's competition style. I was just saying say, that accent, that tells me that you're probably not from New York. Oh, yeah, definitely not from New York. <laughs> See, when I have somebody <laughs> bringing you... in
1: barbecue, I want somebody with a southern accent. That's how you <laughs> know the barbecue is going to be good.
8: And, and, and we take pride in it. We, we really do. And, yeah. I, I could tell you love your job, love first the job of all, man. Just be, would... being in the room here with
5: you for the past couple minutes, Josh. Yeah, I can just hanging tell you out this.
8: with you guys, you know, talking numbers, you know, learning, you know, you know. If the Colts are going to pull this out by, you know, three points today. Not that we're gambling on it or anything at all. (laughs) Not that we're doing that. Wink, wink. But we're taking the Colts and we're taking the win. And, you know, we're going to, you know, improve that record, you know, here. And we're definitely uh, going to let everybody try some barbecue. And um, just a great opportunity. Thanks for letting us have So I got sides here.
5: Oh, I see the sides. Oh, man. I yeah. see
8: some, what is that, mac and cheese right there? Yeah, we've got our, our macaroni and cheese, our cabbage salad, and our potato salad. And we've got our traditional Big Yellow Cups. And we want you, when you come to Pendleton Pike, you know, to grab one of those Big Yellow Cups and take that thing everywhere. It's awesome. And it, you know, it's 32 ounces. And That's we the want perfect in your party cup. cup. Like, exactly if you're going right. to a
1: place where there I may or that. may not be a keg tap, yes. this is the cup you yes. want to take right
8: there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm Can
5: I try one? with these wings over here i'm just gonna start i'm just gonna dig and in and right? go ahead know,
1: and dive, dive in. In.
8: here's your rib oh, and then we have the one rib. one rib we one have, rib. Our, <laughs> we have our, 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 our traditional wing and then we have our wings in our barbecue sauce oh, and
5: fantastic you know, I, I hammer i don't i know you don't have yours yet but i'm just gonna go ahead and dig in go, go ahead and, knock yourself out
8: and the secret to the wings you know and you know and my boss is gonna be mad at you, we smoke them and then we fry them Smoke okay. them and then Smoke fry them. And, and, and then they come out crispy, you know, that bone is white, you know, they're falling off that, you know, that oh, chicken man. leg or that flats coming out there crispy.
1: And, and then, like my man came in studio and it wasn't like he had pre packaged ribs. He came in here with like a machete and he's literally in here knife. hacking up these ribs like like even crocodile Dundee would say, Yeah, that's a knife. Yeah, and, and that's, that's how a how we knife. Want,
8: that's what we want everybody to know, Hammer, is we want everybody to know that we got the fresh barbecue around. Mm. Now, yeah, if somebody wants ridden. to get a
1: big spread for the game tonight, right? Let's be honest. Nobody wants to cook, but they want something to eat to watch the game. Can they go to Dickies at Pendleton Pike uh,
8: like now or even a little bit before the game and get that takeout order taken care of? Yes, yes, and and Hammer, we got it. Mm. We're ready for it. We've got you know all third party lines open. We've got dickies.com. dot com. We've got the store. You know, you call there, place it any way you want the barbecue. We got oh, it, and Hamm, we can bring the cue to this you. This
1: wing is so good. Unbelievable. Talk about your
5: employees. Like, what what are the requirements to 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 run a a, a Dickies? Because you have to know. I mean, I know a thousand guys. I don't know a thousand guys. I know a bunch of dudes that can barbecue the hell out of something in the backyard. But it's different when you're running. You got to have something consistent, right? Yeah, you you got to have these guys know what they're doing.
8: Yeah, and we take pride in our training program. But you know, the first thing we do is invest in our people, and you know, in our franchisees out there, and you know, this is people who have their life savings in the restaurant, and you know they love the barbecue just like me and you know they take pride in their job and want to you know take care of people as they're as they're eating at graduation parties, tailgate parties, you know, Christmas events, you know, turkeys, hams, anything, because it's great to connect with somebody through food, right? And, you, know, right. you know, and when you have a good product, mm. and you have the ability to, you know, to showcase it to all your friends and family. You take
1: pride. Nigel's in it. showcasing it right now; it's all <laughs> over his face. Yeah, and, <laughs> That's and what you want you're to supposed be to do? It.
8: And the people—it's contagious, you know. Just like the guys I have here with me today. Who you got with you today? I've got you know Sean, and I've got Aiden, uh, two guys from the district team there that. You know, just just like me, take pride in it, have fun with it, ready to uh, you know just always serve people. And then the hospitality industry is is what we thrive in with Dickies because hospitality is what we want. We want people to you know if they're catering or going to an event to think of us. Got so. tough
5: there for a little while, didn't it? And Dickies, I mean, I think it's a te- true testament to any any restaurant, big or small, that kind of survived the draconian crap that went down during COVID, man. Right? It, 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 it
8: was tough on definitely all of us. Um, you know, but we're we still here. driving and we, we, we made it and, you know, we're growing, you know, we're not going to let anything, uh, you know, stop us because we've all got, you know, families and friends that got to eat and, you know, we've got bills that we got to pay. So, so if somebody is not familiar
1: with the menu at Dickies, obviously we're talking about the wings and the ribs in There's here, one of those ribs what
8: mm-hmm. else do you guys yeah. uh, have to offer? Uh, so go to dickies.com full menu available and you can see, um, You know, everything, the full menu, but we take pride in our seven meats and our 13 sides. We've got uh, an all-white 13
1: sides, seven meats. Like, if I ever have a book written about me, I want it to be named that.
8: (laughs) Seven meats, 13 sides, the Jason Hammer story. (laughs) And and, and it's all fresh, and it's all done by, uh, you know, people who, you know, have taken this journey into the barbecue land and now just want to, you know, take care of their, you know, their guests and their family.
5: And these ribs again so, falling off the bone. That's, that's
8: here. A, fa- St. Louis Jeez. style fall off the bone. Okay, you what's the them? difference Louis between style? St. Louis style
1: and say another style of rib?
8: Yeah, so a Saint L- basically where they're taken off the uh off the pig because the back rib, mm. you know, is basically tied onto the loin and the St. Louis style is more off the spare rib. Okay. Um, and then we we have rotisserie style pits and we we throw those ribs in after we dry rub them and we make them work with that pork shoulder and then we're making them work with that brisket and then we throw in the turkeys and the sausage so it's all working in there together and we don't even use uh, it's unbelievable uh a t- we we have timers but it's all done by a, a test with you know with a fork or with our tongs and when they fall apart that's when we know they're ready and then that's when we know we got to sell ribs. All right. So,
1: Josh from Dickie's Barbecue Pendleton Pike. One more question. Yes, are there
8: sir. taste
5: testers? I mean, you guys, the guys that are in the kitchen, they have to. You know, I they, mean, that's, that's a requirement. That's
8: part of the job. They get to sit back there and, like, taste every little thing that comes out every day, right? Oh, I yeah, mean, that's, because we want them to be able to sell the product. If, we, if they don't know about the product and the vision of the company, they can't, you know, execute for us. No, you they're know. not eating it after you order it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not they taking a bite out of off, Nigel's <laughs> rib. He's not going to open it up. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. But definitely, first first times on the job, they're trying food. We wanted to try everything and ask questions, so that way, um, you know, they can deliver tailgate parties and caterings to everyone in the uh, neighborhood. So you've got
1: all the flavors, the barbecue sauces, the sides. We got the ribs. We got the brownies in here. We got the wings. This is your tailgate food. For the game tonight or any special event, one more time, how do people get a hold of you?
8: Easiest way: Pendleton Pike, Dickies.com, uh, and we've got everything you need from there. You know, let us take you to the land of fruit and honey and barbecue. Mm-hmm. I Please. love it, love it. Josh, my man, thank you. Thanks, hey, thanks for having Nigel. Thanks for having us. Hope Sir. you guys
1: enjoy. Let's go Colts. go Colts. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Shout it
5: out, you keep a and You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. You know, Hammer, one of the advantages you have... As your wife, Crazy Coupon Lady, has a weekly segment on this show, you guys probably saved a lot on Thanksgiving.
1: She's I mean, she, great at what she does, man. What did you? Did you go somewhere? Did you go to somebody else's house? Did you cook? So we went to her mom's house, gotcha. but uh, Crystal
5: is part of the cooking uh, that takes okay. place there. All right. So uh, did she notice? I mean, I know she gets deals, and I know I know there's obviously uh, with coupons and stuff. If you work at it hard enough, you could save money. But did she notice a definite an increase in prices at the store? Oh, without question. At the grocery store. And it's yeah. not
1: even about Thanksgiving, like just trips to the grocery sure. store. You look at the items you have in your cart and say, I can't believe that's going to be 150 bucks or 200 yeah. bucks." things like that. As to where a year ago, it wasn't even close to to that type of number. Uh, According to some analytics by Moody's, which is a uh, data information outlet, Moody's Analytics, they've got an analysis that says the American household is spending $433 more per month year over year to buy the exact same goods and services. A month? Yes. And that's everything from groceries to like... Pet food, utilities, health insurance, things that are part of your household budget, year to year, four hundred and thirty-three dollars more expensive. Stupid cat food. We
5: uh, we have two we have two <laughs> cats. We give them dry uh, cat food and the the wet stuff. Right. Um. Uh. And it's through the roof. Cat litter through the roof and they go through that stuff like it's it's going out of style. So pet food like what? 15%? Yeah, pet food is up 15%, coffee, bread, milk,
1: electricity all Jeez. over 14%, baby food, cleaning supplies up over 11, assuming you can even find baby formula.
5: Eggs Up 43% year over year. That's nuts. I think part of this is Biden's energy policy. I mean, supply chain issues, and the more expensive it is to haul something, the more expensive it is it's going to be to buy that product. With I, I don't care. You can tell me gas prices are going down. Blah 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 blah. Until you start pumping our own oil, I know Biden uh, told Chevron they could pump some of that gross oil from Venezuela. They could start t- churning that dirt, that trash out. Uh, but until you start opening it up, up the uh, the pipelines, uh, you know, the oil leases, the drilling, it, things are going to continue to spiral like this. For this next
1: story, Kylan, can I get uh, a little mood music, please? Really.
2: Well, we're moving on now. Stone
1: Magazine
2: has put together a list
1: of the best TV theme songs of all time, and coming in at number one, this song right here. This is a jam, the Jeffersons theme song. Moving on up, a total banger, by the way. <laughs> like if I have a good part, day gambling, right here down here down here. if I have a great day gambling night, yeah. I find myself walking around the house like George <laughs> Jefferson does with
2: that pin walk. <laughs>
5: Not quite the billionaire strut. Um, And then uh, for number two, it's a tie between the Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island. Correct. Sanford and Son in at number three. Now, here's my thing with the Sanford and Son
1: theme. I like to write my own lyrics. Here, let me show you. Here comes Sanford. Here comes Sanford and his son. Here comes Sanford. This is awful. Here comes Samford and his son, and they have got some junk to sell. See, it's an instrumental,
5: but I wrote my own lyrics for it. I'm cringing so hard over here. Uh, Twilight Zone, I'll agree with that. Twilight Zone is in at number six. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, top seven. Um, Friends at number eight, then followed by The O.C., the O.C. sucks. Where's Magnum P.I.'s theme song at? Yeah, exactly. I know. I, um,
1: Where's Seinfeld at? I don't see Seinfeld here in the top 20. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood comes in at number five. You're going to look me in the eye and tell me, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, that stupid little piano that you hear with Mr. Rogers, <laughs> is more recognizable than Magnum P.I.'s theme uh, uh, or Mission Impossible or Hawaii 5
5: I don't see Night Court in here either in the top 20. This is an outrage, ladies and gentlemen. Where are you at with the reboot of Night Court? Because it's one coming out in February, I believe. Is Dan Fielding
1: still a part of it? He is, actually. Count me in. <laughs> he is, actually. Uh, it's supposed John to be Uruguay. the daughter of Judge Harry Stone, who is running the Night Court now. All right. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about this rail strike. If you thought goods and services were expensive now, let this thing play out. That's next. Hell-
2: And Nigel, you believe these characters are weirdos on 93 WIBC. So
5: let's rock! You know what really has me worried about this rail strike, Hammer is there's been a Buddha Judge sighting. (laughs) Oh no! It's like, like if you see Buddha, like I haven't seen Buddha Judge in months, basically and when you see him like the last time we heard anything about Buttigieg, judge the transportation secretary is when he was writing an externally worded letter to the airlines about delays and cancellations and now he's out there in front of this whole rail strike thing and that doesn't give me a good sense of uh, security when it comes to this shutdown which could happen um, most of the unions are on board there's about four or five holdouts and uh, they are in solidarity together, from what I understand.
1: Now, just so we're all on the same page here, Pete Buttigieg, this is the same guy that said roads were racist, right? (laughs) That guy. Bridges, yeah, sure. Bridges, roads, all racist. All right, so this is going to be a big deal. Now, earlier today, White House Press Secretary, (laughs) ha ha ha, came out and said that (laughs) she feels like a deal could be imminent. But why should we believe a word this woman says? Because on November 22nd, It was, ha-ha-ha, (laughs) Corrine Jean-Pierre, that insisted, went out of her way to make sure everybody knew that Joe Biden, President of the United States, has been directly involved and rail strike negotiations.
0: The president is indeed involved directly. Yes, the president has been, clearly. Uh, he's been uh, held, uh, um, Has he's been brief, but he has actually been directly involved. No, I just said he's been, direct. I said, th- this is the third time I'm saying he's been directly involved and he has been directly involved. Again, the president has been directly involved. I just said the president has been directly involved. So I could say this, he's been directly involved uh, since before, there was even a tentative agreement. The president is directly involved, as I have said.
5: I feel so much better that President Biden's been directly involved with the rail strike negotiations with the railroads. Oh, I'm breathing a sigh of relief here, Hammer.
1: That was November 22nd. Literally two days later, here's Joe Biden.
6: Have you been in touch with all parties again?
2: My team has been in touch with all parties and rooms with the
3: parties. I, I, I have not directly engaged yet. Quote, I have
1: not directly engaged (laughs) So somebody's lying to us And no wonder nobody takes these people seriously On any level Somebody is lying to us. And it very well could be both. But my money is on Kareem Jean Pierre because I got a feeling Joe Biden doesn't even know what a rail strike is or how imminent it could or could possibly be. There's no way he knows what's going on right now. So when Kareem Jean Pierre says, Oh, yeah, he's directly involved. And he waddles up there two days later, eh, I'm not directly involved. It's laughable at this and you point. You think
5: prices are bad now? It's going to cost uh, the United States, what, $2 billion? A day if these these four lone union holdouts don't uh, get in line here, and and they know they have they have time on their side. They have they have the picketers ready. It's it's going to be a mess if they don't get this together.
1: And we're not talking about people who jump on the train and then travel from Indy to Chicago. We're talking about the big trains that usually stop on the tracks when I'm trying to get somewhere. But they're also carrying food. They're carrying fuel. Uh, This is going to be really, really bad. Again, prices are already high. The supply chain already sucks. And if there's a rail strike, put your big boy pants on because this is going to get real bad real soon. Uh, It's been, shall we say, an interesting couple of months for Kanye West Uh, Nige. Yay, as he's known as now. Um, He continued his bizarre anti-Semitic streak over the weekend when one of his guests for like a dinner was Nick Fuentes. Now, Nick Fuentes is a well-known Holocaust denier and some would say a well-known white supremacist. Yeah, I
5: mean, he had this show on YouTube for a number of years. It's yanked, obviously, but this is a guy that, that once said Donald Trump's, um, you know, Donald Trump disavowed white supremacy. He's he's a guy that said that was wrong and a big mistake. That's a quote. This is a guy that's said a lot of the same, had a lot of the same sentiments uh, that that Kanye West has.
1: So, in regards to that little dinner that they got together for, yeah. Fuentes and Kanye West, what if I told you that Donald Trump was also a part of that? Because Donald Trump was yeah. also a part of it's, that. It's a bad look. He came out afterwards and said that uh, Kanye West was a, quote, seriously troubled man. But you brought up a good question. We were talking about this in the hallway. Why even put yourself in a position to to justify why you're meeting with Fuentes. You can talk about Kanye West all you want, right? You can have that debate about Kanye. But Fuentes is some of the biggest scum of the earth. Yeah,
5: but either, either one of these guys. I mean, time could have been better spent for Donald Trump being out of the campaign trail for... Uh, for Herschel Walker, he could have been in an inner city community holding a rally, like saying, "Look, look at what the Democrats have been doing for you for you know decades. I'm going to change all that." Why is he sitting down with Kanye West or this other guy that I don't think a lot of people have really heard of anyway? But it's still a bad look, and he he needs to he needs to do Trump needs to do better.
1: And this is one of the knocks that people had with Donald Trump. While they may have liked his policies, Donald Trump would sometimes shoot himself in the foot by speaking with the washington post speaking and doing interviews with axios people that hate him donald trump would put himself in a position to where they could do hit pieces on him there's no win in meeting with kanye west and fuentes there's absolutely nothing to gain but yet he did it anyway. trump
5: said he didn't know that other guy you know it was supposed to be just kanye but he had that other guy that you're talking about in tow with a few other dudes Trump said he didn't know. I think he needs to surround himself with better people, it sounds like. I mean, Trump. Right. look, I, do I believe Trump is anti-Semitic? No, I don't. I mean, he did more for peace in the Middle East and Israel and the Abram Accords. And, His and, daughter and converted just, when she married well, Jared. Yeah, so, uh, but he just, he, he needs to do much better than this. You have to do a little bit better intel on the people you're going to
1: surround yourself with. Um, a lot of questions about who's going to lead the GOP. Some questions about whether or not Ronna McDaniel is Mm. the person that should be the face of the RNC. One person that's not really on board with Ronna is Kristi Noem, the governor of South Dakota. Kristi Noem kind of dropping hints that uh, there should be a
6: change in leadership. We need to win. I mean that's just the fact our our kids' future depends on it so uh you know we really all have a responsibility to message what republican policies bring to this country and i don't know Uh, A party that can continue to lose like we have and keep their jobs. Everybody needs to evaluate what we are doing. And is it effective? And are we messaging truly that our policies work? Listen, we ran against Joe Biden in this last election. Uh, I had a big win here in South Dakota, but I didn't just talk about how bad Joe Biden was. I talked about all the good things we did here in our state together, too. I talked about how Republican and conservative values worked. We have the strongest economy. Our kids are doing better than anywhere else in the country. We kept it open. We kept people free. Incomes are going up faster than anywhere else and women are better off and their businesses are more successful. We're just we're knocking it out of the ballpark, Sean. And we did it and we talked about it here in the state. And that's why we had an election that was big. And and we were not just selling and talking about how bad Joe Biden is.
5: Yeah, that was one of the key points everybody was making. It was like everybody was pointing to the Democrats. See, the radicals, the radicals, the radicals. And that was not a a, a, a platform that was successful for the Republicans. You need to do more. You need to say more. Right. You You can look at the disaster they've created, but you've also got to say, look at the good things we want to do. And, you know, Senate Minority, uh, you know, the turtle, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy in the House now, and Ronald McDaniel, part of that longtime Republican swamp, I guess you could call it
1: and two of those folks we know are coming back in their positions. Right. Ronna McDaniel, still a little bit up in the air. By the way, we got a uh, interesting tweet from Nate in regards to Donald Trump. Why put yourself in a position where people can criticize you? Uh, Nate on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel, Trump will meet with anyone. It's one of the things that I like about him. Now, I see that perspective. I do but it's hard to win elections when you're having dinner with some of these people that's what it's about you heard uh, christy nome it's about winning it's time to win it's hard to win when you have dinner with
5: those types of people oh, yeah. Hey, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Nigel. Hammer over there. Uh, Purdue with an exciting win. The Oak and Bucket game over the weekend. Purdue uh, going to the Big Ten Championship this weekend, right? That's that's an indie, right? Correct. And I was
1: thinking about this over the weekend. This is a really exciting time for Purdue. This is the first time they've ever been in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, they kind of I don't want to say backed their way into this thing, but Iowa lost, so Purdue, all they had to do was beat Indiana, which they did, and now they're playing for it. But I wonder if this is going to be bad for business for the hotels, because I don't think Purdue fans are going to come down here and buy hotels the way that Iowa or Wisconsin or somebody would have. Now, Michigan fans are going to come down here in droves. It's going to be a Michigan invasion. I'm pretty confident on that. Do
5: You think you'll see more uh, blue and yellow than you will gold? uh this weekend. I think so. Black now, and gold. if I remember last year, Michigan
1: was a late arriving crowd. They got oh, here yeah. like late Friday. Uh but they were here in droves. So I'm wondering if this is good or bad for the business, you know, the hotel group of Indy because I think on Saturday the Purdue fans will drive down here and tailgate and party and drink and do all the
5: things. But in terms of hotel bookings, I don't yeah. know. Tons of Michigan fans, though. I mean, like, Michigan won a huge game over Ohio State. Man, they like beat every, the brakes off the Buckeyes. Everybody was watching that game.
1: Um, I'm glad you bring that up because the ratings are in, and the Michigan Ohio State game averaged 17 million viewers. It had a peak of 19.6 million at one point. Uh, This was the most watched regular season game in Fox history and the most watched regular season college football game (laughs) since 2011
5: on any network. And it wasn't even, it started at noon. Yeah, well, just wasn't like a prime time game. This was a twelve o'clock kickoff rivalry game, yeah. number two
1: against number three, both unbeaten. And hats off to Michigan, man! They beat the hell
5: out of the Buckeyes. Can you are, are you able to watch? Because I know a couple of weeks ago you were like, man, I'm still not into college basketball. But now that Purdue's in the Big Ten championship game and Purdue basketball is doing very well, they're are, number are you, five
1: in the new rankings, and Indiana's number ten. So how about this? Like This is the way it should be all the time. I know I'm kind of a homer for the state of Indiana here, but like with the amazing high school basketball feeder system that you have here in this state, there's no reason why IU and Purdue shouldn't be around the
5: top 10 every single year. You need a lot of cheese over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday? Oh, man. Cheese and... Cheesy uh, cheesy casseroles of of many different varieties. Melted cheese, cheese on top of casseroles, you name it. Listen to this wife. I've got audio. This this wife is questioning her husband's quote executive decision, and we've all had to do this as guys, by the way, <laughs> in different instances. But this is listen to this wife's Listen to this wife question her husband's executive decision to buy a giant half wheel of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> he finally got him. He, he his wife finally had to had him had to place it on a scale to see how much it actually weighs. He was about twenty pounds off. Listen to this. Why
2: would no. you buy that much cheese? Because I was trying to FaceTime you, and you wouldn't answer the phone. See? So I
8: made an executive
2: decision. <laughs> I saw something labeled at a price, and I bought it. And how much did you pay for that? Uh, approximately $10.44. And how many pounds of cheese Probably like 20. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we going to do? No clue. I <laughs> got 20 pounds of Parmesan.
3: Parmesan?!
6: Forty four pounds of cheese. <laughs> forty four
5: pounds. Uh, and sometimes you just, as a man in a relationship with a husband and wife, you have to make those sorts of executive decisions. Sometimes when you can't get a hold of your wife, answer your phone, lady. Right. He was
1: trying to do the right thing, but when push comes to shove, and you see a value here, I'd like to think that the crazy <laughs> coupon lady would approve of this. I
5: mean, ten dollars for forty pounds of cheese, parmesan.
1: Right. That's not bad. So start making that fettuccine. Start making that spaghetti. Do some
5: homemade pizzas. Do whatever you want, because you are playing with a lot of Parmesan here, my friend. Uh, later on this hour, I'm going to tell you about a huge band that's just made a gigantic uh, announcement in terms of a new song, a new Hanson. single. know, Hanson is not it. I'll, I'll go ahead and ruin the party for you right now. It's not Hanson, but we'll get to that uh, big announcement from a huge band later, a new album coming out. Did you hear Chris and Rich Robinson of the Black Crows? They... <laughs> I mean, they took care of this fan that got on stage. They beat the crap out of this guy. This was in Australia. Um, Black Crow's longtime uh, band. It's not the announcement, by the way. But this guy rushed on stage. They, they stopped playing. Chris jabs the guy with the end of his mic stand. Ooh. And you could hear Rich's guitar jam the guy in the chest a couple of times. And Chris Robinson is not like a huge, gigantic, bulky rock star. He's just like a tiny little waif right. of a dude. And he took care of this guy. Some guy got on stage. Yeah, took it right to him. You could hear the, you the, kind of the guitar uh, reverberate there at the end. That was uh, Rich Robinson hitting him with it.
1: Now watch, this lunatic will probably sue oh, yeah. the Robinsons
5: for some sort uh, of assault yeah.
1: or something like that.
5: Now, I mean, it doesn't happen in football like when fans get out on the court. I'm sorry, out of the field. Uh, Same with the court, too. I've seen fans get on basketball courts and get tackled by athletes. Well,
1: I think Pacer fans and Piston fans remember a specific incident where
5: fans may have made their way out to the court. Not the only time that a a big, gigantic, uh, famous rock star has kicked a fan out of the venue. This is when uh, Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder tossed out, I think, a woman for hitting the guy in front of her. (laughs)
1: John, quit him. was pretty cool that i is. think he should have done it like in character in song <laughs>
4: lady
1: <laughs> don't you be punching that dude right here <laughs> in my search. oh
5: yeah <laughs> here is right, one more for you here uh, uh great moments in uh rock stars kicking fans out of the show history dave grohl and the food fighters
4: get the f- out of my show
1: right now this get is great Love get this. the f- out of my show you don't come to my show and fight you come to my show and f- dance you ass
5: <laughs> can i just say real quick i was wrong about the foo fighters after taylor hawkins the drummer died suddenly i thought man there's no way they're gonna be playing again together i thought there was no possible uh but but now you see dave Grohl out all little over, over the place they had those two gigantic tribute shows to taylor hawkins they're gonna make more music I have a feeling. Uh, We have special guest Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan coming up. we got a big one
1: tonight, Monday Night Football, back in Indy for the first time, I believe, in seven years. We're going to break it all down. Kevin Bowen from The Fan joins us next here on The Hammer and Nigel Show.
7: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up,
5: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammers here. We go to the com hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen from 107.5. The fan. It's the Colts and the Steelers Monday night, downtown Lucas Oil Stadium. Now, KB, because you have to get up early and do your morning show tomorrow morning, are you are you sitting in the press box? Are you staying home? How, how does it work for you?
3: Yeah, I'm going to be a little multitasker tonight and, and keeping an eye on, on, on both games. I think I will make an appearance at Lucas Oil, but uh, there might be – time in the game where I'm thinking to myself, should I just flip over to the Pacers? Because like Pacers-Lakers has some juicy storylines. Oh, that's Miles right. Turner and those, those trade rumors, Benedict in the rookie, very public, with some comments about LeBron James in the offseason. Sounds like LeBron will play tonight. Um, so this is the rare monday where there's like a lot a lot to chat about not just professional sports but you know college-wise as well
5: and so you're so you're working so like hammer and i we we got uh, we got barbecue served to us in the studio i've got beer back at the house and wings (laughs) wings waiting do you ever just watch a? I i guess you don't you can't just watch a colts game as a quote-unquote fan you have to sit there and report and analyze and take notes and stuff every time right
3: yeah, I'm trying to think of the last beer during a Colts game. I've cer- certainly thought about it. Um, <laughs> probably a lot more this year than I have in years past. But, yeah, my um, my uh, you know drinking and eating uh, to that degree during yeah. games probably revolves a little bit more college-wise for me. Uh, but nonetheless, I am happy for Indy that we do have a home Monday night game. It's been since 2015, which is pretty crazy. And, wow. you know, ironically, you get this Monday after Thanksgiving and then you'll get the Monday after Christmas, too, the Chargers and the Colts will be on Monday Night Football again. So uh, with that, you know, Purdue inside of Oil Stadium for the Big Ten title Saturday. Um, it, it's cool to see our city, you know, hosting these games again.
1: And we'll talk about Purdue coming up here in just a moment because all things are coming up boiler right now. Uh, but give us a little handicap into tonight. What are we watching for Colts against the Steelers?
3: Yeah, I would say the biggest concern I would have – well, first, I guess let's start, here. These are two – very poor offenses struggling to score points. Um, You know, Hammer, I know you keep a close eye on this. The over-under's at 39 for the game. That's a low,
1: low total.
3: Yeah, I think it was the lowest in the NFL this week. Um, The first one to, what, 17, 20, you know, probably wins this game. Um, I think what would worry me from a Colts perspective is Pittsburgh has some really, really top-flight playmakers on their defensive side of the ball. Um, And in particular, T.J. Watt. You know, the brother of J.J. Watt, uh, the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, reigning Defensive Player of the Year, he's back healthy. Um, he's not been healthy. He's only played a couple of games this season. Um, he is healthy and good to go for tonight. And he's a guy that, I mean, the Colts have seen firsthand. The last time they played Pittsburgh, uh, a loss in late December a few years ago. I mean, Watt can single-handedly take over a game. So, with how the Colts have played offensive line-wise, um, if they struggle and get into like obvious passing situations, I have big concerns about this Colts offensive line holding up against a Pittsburgh front that's just not Watt. Yeah, if you're having front, trouble
1: with the, the tackle spot, time. KB, if your tackle is a turnstile, the last guy you want to <laughs> see is freaking TJ Watt on the other oh, side. boy.
3: Well, and let's be honest, guys. I mean, I'm sure we all watch Dallas on Thanksgiving. I mean, Michael Parsons might be the defensive player of the year. That's what's waiting on Sunday. So. Tonight and Sunday, you're going to face two of the best defensive lines, especially from a pass rushing standpoint in terms of premier talent. And, you know, one of the biggest weaknesses, if not the biggest this season, has been the Colts' inability to hold up uh, from a pass protection standpoint. So uh, Matt Ryan uh, and his health would be of concern for me tonight and uh, on Sunday.
5: So this is the third uh, Colts game under the leadership of Jeff Saturday. Have you noticed any tangible uh, differences in the style of coaching between Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday. Anything specific you can point out to?
3: Yeah, I think a little bit more like demonstrative personality, and maybe that's not the right word, but just uh, I think a little bit more of you know uh, accountability in, in front of others. Um, a little bit more vocal, just a higher level of energy, probably a little bit of a louder tone if you want to really break it down. Um, so Frank Reich's very consistent in his message. Um, I think pretty subdued um, compared to most NFL coaches. Um, so I think that's been the difference. And then if you want to you know, kind of see how that's translated to the field, again, we have a two-game sample size, like you said, Nige. But this is a team that's played eight quarters under Jeff Saturday, and they've led after seven of the eight. You know, it was the Philly game is the one game in the fourth quarter where that got away from you. You got off the uh, good starts against the Raiders and the Eagles as well. So I think those are some encouraging signs. Um, now, again, the schedule I think is about to pick up. You know, after tonight, it's three or four on the road, and all four of those teams, I believe, are in the playoffs right now. So um, it, it is going to be a bit of a difficult stretch here as you get into the month of December. But still, um, I think that, you know, Jeff Saturday's brought. a a level of accountability and just an energy level that guys have have appreciated
5: is it a must win tonight i mean i know a couple of the teams in the afc south lost over the weekend and um, and i guess every every time i turn on one of those uh uh, sports pregame shows it always shows the colts in the hunt when talking about the playoff picture (laughs) colts in the hunt is is tonight a, a must win
3: yeah, I think they're, like, peering off into the distance or whatever that hunt is. Um, yeah, yeah, tonight, yeah, tonight's a must I mean, technically it's not, but it would be the blow that would, you know, put them on the ropes or probably knock them to the canvas, honestly, and, and they would stumble big time to get back up. I mean, you're 4-6-1. You've got six games to go. This game, uh, which you're a slight favorite, and then the final game of the year, Houston, those are the only two that you'll definitely be favored in. Like I said, you've got road games coming up, Dallas, Minnesota, and the Giants, um, yes, Tennessee did lose yesterday, but they still are in a nice position uh, within the AFC South. And wild card wise, I mean, you're several games behind that picture. And you still have your bye week, which you could look at it one of two ways. Um, you know, it's a chance for teams to lose that are above you, but it's also a missed opportunity for you to win a game uh with you know that four six and one record right now. So I would say for those holding, clinging, whatever to uh those playoff hopes that are about ten, fifteen percent right now, a home loss to the Steelers, the three and seven Steelers, or whatever the record is, maybe four and seven, that would be really, really tough to overcome.
1: Kevin Bowen joining us from 107.5 The Fan. Switch gears a little bit here, KB. Uh, It's a great time to be a Purdue fan. You've got your football team in the Big Ten Championship game this Saturday. And the basketball team may be the best team in America. I know folks down in Bloomington don't really want to hear that. But uh, it's a fun time to be a Boiler fan right now.
3: I mean, one of honestly probably the best weekends in Purdue sports history. And, and you are upset by a lot of schools in terms of the clinching their first berth into the Big Ten championships here again Saturday night against Michigan. Uh, just a roller coaster type of season. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw just kind of the the, the tragic um, story with Aiden O'Connell, Purdue's quarterback, his older brother. Mm-hmm. Founded by you know, suddenly passing um, within the last week, and it was uncertain if he would play in the game. He ends up playing and. They come back to beat Indiana in the second half. And then from a basketball standpoint, I mean, it's a Purdue team that lost a whole lot. I mean, top five pick Jay Nivey and All-American and Trayvon Williams. Fosha Stefanovich was an important player for them. I mean, they're starting two freshmen. They play, I uh, think, three sophomores and a junior. That's that's kind of their their top six. And yet they go out uh, to Portland and they beat Gonzaga by double digits, Duke by double digits, West Virginia by double digits, and they jumped all the way number five in the latest poll. And if you look at the December schedule, I mean, it sets up to a point where Purdue could be undefeated going into the, the new year. Uh, we were talking on our morning show earlier today about this. Certainly, Purdue has had issues in the month of March, but I'm a big believer in this. If you can just routinely get shots at postseason play, I think eventually, if you're a quality enough team that will get shots on an annual basis, you will kind of fall into it. And, and honestly, I think a lot of that... Relates a little bit to the Colts era with Dungey and Manny and all them. Of you know, if you ask Colts players from those teams, the 2006 team, the the Super Bowl team, that was not the best team in their guys' eyes. Right. You know, 2005, 2007, 2009. Yet they continually got a shot. And at some point, you get a few breaks. The bracket, you know, falls your way, and you're able to get a home game against New England in the AFC title game. And the rest is history. The fact that Matt Painter continues to give that program chances in the tournament, I think they will get there and it's early, but again, with two freshman guards and how they've looked so far, this looks like a Purdue team that will, you know, in March be a, whatever top four or five seed and anything can happen once you get into that format
1: i'm a guy that wants to see iu and purdue both good at the same time and i'm hoping that's going to be the case this year kevin and i think we're going to find out about this hoosier team on wednesday when north carolina rolls into assembly hall uh this could be one of those years where both iu and purdue are really good do you see it that way
3: yeah, and I was looking at the poll earlier. I think Indiana was 10. Um, I, I would guess it's been a long time that you've had both of them in the top 10. I mean, when you think back to, like, this series with Purdue and Indiana, just head-to-head, um, you know, when I was in school, the Tom Crean years, Purdue dominated. And then, you know, kind of at the end of the Crean era, even at the Archie era, era um, you know, Indiana had a little bit of success, and then Purdue has dominated over the last, you know, whatever Six years probably into that. So it's kind of been this one team or the other. I'm with you. You know, I, I want to see both these programs ranked really high and those matchups be ranked matchups on an annual basis. If I'm not mistaken, I think both the Indiana Purdue games this year are on Saturdays. Um, coming up in January and February, which I think is really cool for you know Lafayette and, and um, Bloomington to experience that, obviously the students and all of that. So um, I don't think we thought, Purdue, you know, unlike last year, we, we didn't expect Purdue to be here. At this point, Indiana, of course, had the higher preseason expectations, and they got a big win at Xavier You a know, week and a half ago. And now Wednesday, it's lost a little bit of luster that North Carolina dropped a couple games. They're no longer ranked number one, but still with North Carolina this week, they still got Arizona and Kansas. In December, uh, I mean, for late November, early December, this is easily the most consistent these two programs have looked, you know, within the Big Ten, within the nation in quite some time.
1: Well, KB, try to get a little bit of sleep tonight, and uh, we appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to join us here. You bet. Talk to you guys next week. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. We're coming right back.
5: the hammer and nigel show another hour of the hammer and nigel show coming up after six o'clock with an update on the crime stats over the weekend how about this huh you like this just do anything for you eh. so uh, nobody saw this one coming metallica just dropped oh. a new single okay Uh got a new album coming out in April of twenty twenty three. Are you into this, this, is, this? Yeah, I am. I really like it. I love James got this gritty voice. I love Lars's drums in this. Now, so, I feel is, like... It's called Lux Eterna. That's the first single from this album that won't be out
1: until 23. Because you're such a Metallica fan. They could come out with an album of nothing but them doing no. fart noises <laughs> with their mouth. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, man, I'm feeling this new Metallica. I, I, I didn't
5: really like uh, their 2016 album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, but I do like this new single. So you know, I'll be curious to see uh, what the entire album comes out, uh, what it sounds like. The new album called 72 Seasons will be out April... 2023. They could come out with an album doing yodeling, <laughs> like on the Price is Right yeah. game, where the little guys go yeah. And you would dig it, I think. Yeah, I dig this one now, man. <laughs> Luxeterna <laughs> is the name of the single. Uh, just, just real quick, did you see this thing with, the, what do you call her? Uh, uh- Tony Danza's sitcom daughter. <laughs> From Who's the Boss? Alyssa Milano, the best known from Who's the Boss, Correct. 80s, 80s sitcom. Correct. She is a crazy progressive lunatic liberal on Twitter. And, you know, she's the one that had the crochet mask on. Right. She, she uh, tweeted herself out with a crochet. Like, that, like, masks do anything in the first place, but crochet masks really don't do At anything. At the very beginning of yeah. COVID, she thought she was really helping with her crocheted <laughs> mask. What did she say about. Is she encouraging people to businesses to boycott boycott Twitter? Is that what this is? So she this hates is, Elon
1: Musk yeah. because Elon Musk is opening up the playing field on Twitter. And she put out this real virtue signally tweet, quote, I gave back my
3: Tesla.
4: Oh, no. I
1: bought the Volkswagen EV. I love it. I'm not sure her advertisers can buy space on Twitter. So she's basically shaming <laughs> Elon Musk and Tesla and saying that, you know, I bought a Volkswagen. Well, here's the thing about Little Miss Virtue <laughs> Signal. I love this. Volkswagen was literally founded by by the Nazis and Hitler. (laughs) Volkswagen was founded by the German German Labor Labor Front. Front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the organization under the Nazi Party, which replaced all these trade unions in Germany during Hitler's rise to power.
5: I believe this is called a (laughs) self-own. Yes. In uh, social media terms.
1: And a lot of people pointed that out to Tony Danza, sitcom daughter, (laughs) and Elon Musk was liking it. Hitting the like button on all of
5: those tweets. More Hammer and Nigel after 6 o'clock, man. W.I.B.C.